You may have heard of us, but you might not know Bank First is a community bank that has no fee ATM access, interest and perks earning checking accounts. With online and mobile banking, mortgages for every stage of life, and modern business banking for businesses, small and big. We keep it all together to put you first. Do you bank with us? You should. Bank First is an equal housing lender and a member FDIC. Well, it's Friday afternoon. We are in the Farm Bureau Studios in downtown Starkville, Mississippi, Mississippi's college town. I'm Charlie Winfield. He's Bart Gregory. The noise that you may hear is Bulldog Bash, which is being set up out on the streets. I am not very familiar with the work of Surfaces, this year's group. I understand they're from College Station, Texas, and some of the young people tell me that they're a good group. I, however, am not familiar with their catalog and cannot celebrate it with you here today. I have not pulled it up on Spotify quite yet. I want to be surprised. The first time I hear it, I want to hear it live. They do have a drum set on the stage already, Charlie. Oh, they've already cranked it uh, once earlier this morning. Okay. Right about 1140 was the first shot from the amplifiers out there. Test the strength of your your nails and everything else holding the pictures up in here. That's what I, I guess that's what we get for going later in the day. All right, so Mississippi State, Alabama, we are in the Farm Bureau studios. This is our Tracks Plus Deep Dig. We'll get you ready for Mississippi State. The not-so-desirable trip to the capstone playing Alabama. Bart, what are your first thoughts? Well, my first thoughts are, when you look back, and, of course, they're going to honor Sylvester Croom at the game tomorrow. And, then, of course, Sylvester Croom, five-year head coach at Mississippi State from 2004 through 2008. And, of course, an Alabama graduate, former player over there. And uh, he's going into the College Football Hall of Fame. And Sly was a good guy. I enjoyed being around him. But uh, he is the last coach to beat Alabama. In 2006, we went over there. We had the big uh, stop of John Parker Wilson at the goal line. That was – was that Jamar Chaney? I think it was, yeah. Jamar Chaney at the end zone. And then the next year, we had the Anthony Johnson pick six, and we held on and won that game. We scored one touchdown in that game. But since that time, Alabama has won every game, and not only won every game – with the exception of 2014, when we went over there, scored late to make it a close game, and then 2017, these games have been non-competitive. And here's what I want tomorrow. I want to be competitive. I think that's a fair request. Because you said this best the other day. We tend to talk about Alabama like they're, they're a pro team and things like that. And, look, they're clearly very good. Look at pro football focus, for example, and you go through the positions and look and see who has the highest-graded player at each position, Mississippi State has the advantage in only two. They have one cornerback ranked higher, Emmanuel Forbes, Yep. than anybody for Alabama. Now, Alabama's got like three before we hit our next one. And how about this? Your other one, halfback. Really? Running back, Dylan Johnson, ranked higher now. Will he play? Yeah, who knows? Who he- knows? We, we've got a few question marks with guys banged up. I thought this morning of the – Mark Twain quote. It's been butchered over the years. His exact quote was, the report of my death was an exaggeration. I think the demise of Alabama is a bit of an exaggeration. People have this mindset, well, Saban, it's kind of getting away from it. It's falling apart. They're not where they were a couple of years ago. This is still a really good football team. How do I say that? Bryce Young, best quarterback in the country. By far. 
and it's really not close. And and this is one of those things when we talk about Aaron Rodgers and we talk about Tom Brady, he doesn't have a top 200 receiver ranking-wise. If you were to look again at the evaluations, doesn't have a top 12 guy in the SEC. But that's how good he is. And you say, well, why is he that good? At center, Delacorte, number 21 in the country. You've got guards at 1136, 11 and 36. And so you start to go through. He's got a lot of really, really talented cast members around him. But he's really good himself. Yeah, he really is. He's only had six sacks this year. And so he's done a good job. So teams have not gotten any pressure on him. That's that's the first thing. But, hey, I was looking back in the series since Nick Saban came to Alabama. This is starting in the 2008 season. Do you know how many touchdowns we've scored in the last 14 games against Alabama? The last 14 games, how many touchdowns? Uh, last 14? It's going to be something like 14. 11. <laughs> 11. Oof. And – our good friend Jonathan Eaton, who sits in the broadcast booth with Neil on uh, Saturday, with Neil and Matt, and he's the guy that spots for those guys. He came up with a gr- some great stats the other day. And we've only had one guy, and i got to think about who that person was. It wasn't Jamie Allen Lewis. We've only had one person that scored two touchdowns against Alabama. It was 11 touchdowns by 10 different guys. Oof. Yeah. So I go back to that point of, listen, it's, it's, it's past that time. It's past that time. Of course, I don't think uh, we're going to go over there and just lay down. But uh, we, we've had some teams in the past that have just gone on over there and it's like, hey, we're just trying to get to next week. No, we've had that. I don't think that's going to be in this team's DNA. I think the issue is they're playing a really good team. I was talking about Bryce Young. Now, Alabama's got a few holes, but they still do a lot of things really well. They're third in points per drive in the league, first in points per play number one in the league in best average starting field position. All these things tie in together. This is a good football team. I think if we go on the road and we get beat, we just got beat. I don't think this is a team that's going to go over there and not show up, or at least I hope not. No, I hope not too. And, and hey, I guess we need to tackle the elephant in the room. You know, it's, it's going to be a tough week. And you start thinking about, uh, you know, the loss of Sam Westmoreland earlier this week. And, man, our thoughts and prayers are out with his family. And, and you start thinking about when you were in college, and we all had that situation where you, you lost someone who may be close to you, whether it be, you know, a good friend or someone you sat with in class. And sometimes it's harder, you know, at that age to compartmentalize and you kind of wonder about the emotions. You take all the emotions out of it and you start looking at what Alabama can do and how good they are. But then you add what this team has had to go through this week, and that's one of the un- the things you just don't know and one of the unanswered questions. But, yeah, it's a, it's been a tough week, not just trying to practice for football, but it's been a tough week for that uh, for that coaching staff and for that team. And, uh, man, just every parent's worst nightmare for, uh, for your family. And so our thoughts are, and prayers out to them without doubt. Yeah, it makes you want to go home and hug your kids. We've seen a lot of that throughout the state of Mississippi this week. And, uh, yeah, yeah, a lot a lot of sadness throughout the state. And that deal in, in Oxford, too, man. That's just, you know, it's it's that's a that's a tough deal, man. And, uh, yeah, our thoughts with all those folks going. There's a lot more. There's a lot of folks out there right now that are not worried about a football game and, and shouldn't be worried about a football game. And yeah, so, and I suppose that as we talk through things today, too, it's worth noting that, no matter how much we may rant and rave or, or talk about Alabama, I think we can both say safely that we have a healthy degree of perspective about just how important this is. 
and it's important. It matters. I don't mean to suggest that it doesn't, but one of those weeks where kind of the priority of importance really hits home. Yeah, it does. And so I guess with our show, we, uh, we'll go ahead and hit our three numbers. Here's what I'm going to do, Charlie. I think in our two losses this year, I've gone high to low, and that has been brought to my attention. So I'm going low to high today. And my first number is four. And the number of four is the number of drives I would like to see us have in the game without a sack, a drop, or a penalty. Last week, we only had two drives in the game that we did not have a penalty, and we scored on both those drives, a field goal and a touchdown. Our good friend Walking Bully sent that tweet out last week. But last year, if you look in this game against Alabama, we didn't have many drives at all. At one time late in the fourth quarter, we didn't have a single drive in this category, a sack, a drop, or a penalty. If you're going to go over there and win on the road, you can't put yourself behind the chains. I say we need four drives without a sack, a drop, or a penalty. And I know no, that's asking a lot. No sacks, no drops, no penalties. Okay. Uh, when's the last time that happened against Alabama? Well, it's going to be tough to do. We talk about plays that kill yourself, that hurt yourself, and those are plays that will kill you and put you behind the chains. My second number is six, and that's the maximum number of missed tackles that I think we need to have in the secondary. That's the cornerback position and the safety position. Last, so don't come throw your shoulder at the running backs, what you're telling me. Do not come throw. But here's where I'm worried about it more than anything else, is that slant route at 10 yards that ends up going 30. Because what is everybody going to try to do with the quarterback, Bryce Young? You're going to have to try to come after him some. And so when you try to come after him, you're going to have some one-on-one situations in your secondary. Last year, if you look back to that game, Alabama had four touchdowns over 40 yards. Now, one of them was a pick six. But three of their touchdown passes, their first one to John Mechie went 46 yards, and that was a big missed tackle in that game. Then we had the 40-yard pick six by Jordan Battle. Then Alabama scored on a 75-yard touchdown pass a 51-yard touchdown pass, and a 29-yard touchdown pass. And so you just cannot afford to give up the big play and miss tackles in the secondary when you got guys in front of you. All right, I'll buy that. All right, and my third number is seven. That's the amount of points that you can give up after you've turned the football over against Alabama. You talk about compounding problems. One is you're going to have to play clean. You can't turn the ball over. But if you do turn it over, you can't give up a bunch of points right after. And so those are giveaway points. We talk about live ball turnovers and basketball. One thing to turn it over, it's another thing to turn it over at the point and the guy runs down and jams it in. You just can't turn the ball over and then give up points. I'm saying seven points after our turnovers. And a pick six counts. Oh, absolutely, a pick six counts. Scoop and score counts. Scoop and score counts. A fumble at the 50-yard line, and then they go up top. And here it comes. Yeah, there came a little bass groove right there I for heard, you. I heard the bass. Thought maybe they had your iPod out there. Yeah. All right, so that's a look at your three numbers. And those are my three numbers. Brought to you by Trax Plus. Trax Plus, five locations. You've got three in the state of Mississippi. Start with Columbus, then in Hickory, Mississippi, Summit, Alexandria, Louisiana, and then in Bessemer, Alabama, Trax Plus. Hey, we haven't talked about the Massey Ferguson tractors in a while. They sell Massey Ferguson at all the locations other than Startwood and Columbus. And so, Sandy Excavators and Mini Excavators, and, of course, their forestry equipment as well, our good friends at Trax Plus. What's your three numbers, Charlie? All right, my first number is two, and that is the number of three and outs that I think we can have 
with the football. I mean, our offense can only go three and out twice. And that may itself be a kiss of death. Two may be too many. Alabama defensively, though, is basically forcing a three and out every other series. They're right at 50%. We can't get anywhere near 50% three and outs if we want to win this game for a lot of reasons. Again, even drives that don't result in points, you can't let Alabama just continue to have good field position. My nightmare for this game is we get the ball first. We go three and out. We punt. They've got the ball at the 40, and three plays later, we're down seven to nothing. And then all of a sudden, it snowballs, it compounds. We've seen that before, right? We've seen that in road games. we got to manufacture first down. So I'm going to even add on to that. Only two three and outs, and your first possession can't be one. Well, I was about to say first possession. We went over there one year. They got the football, drove down, and scored. That was the year they had the fumble that they didn't go back and review it. Remember that? Oh, yeah. And then we got the ball, went three and out, and then they got it, drove back, and scored. So they had a 14 nothing lead. We'd only had the ball three plays. You can't, you can't have that happen. You can't get the snowball effect early. That's the thing you got to avoid in the game. What's your second number? My second number is five. That's the number of tackles for loss. We have to keep it there or under. Alabama will rack up tackles for loss. A&M competed with Alabama but allowed six tackles for loss. Last week, Tennessee just two. Texas allowed six. I, I think we're going to have to be clean. We can't play behind the sticks. We can't give up big losses. But loss of any kind, I think it's got to be five or under. All right, I'm about to give us the kiss of death, and I hate to say this. But Alabama last week did not get pressure at all on Hendon Hooker. I mean, they only pressured him like five or six times in the entire game. They didn't blitz him, but what, five or six times in the game? They kind of sat back and, and let him throw the football. You wonder what they're going to do in the game tomorrow. Will they bring a little bit more pressure? They had 16 pressures on us last year. Hey, man, Will Anderson, he is really, really good. But he's not having the numbers right now that he had this time last year. Now, you don't want to go over there and give him a highlight reel. That's the thing you're trying to stay away from. All right, and my final number is 45. 45 is the number of passes or greater that I would like for Alabama to throw tomorrow. So what you're saying is, I'm guessing you're saying, if they're having to throw the ball, that means they're not having success running. Is that what you're saying? This year, and obviously injuries have played a factor in this, but against Texas A&M, 19 passes. Arkansas, 22. Louisiana Monroe, 20. This is a team that wants to run the ball. They regularly run the ball 30 or more times a game. Against A&M, they ran it 51. Again, I get that injuries play into these things, but even against Louisiana Monroe, 39. The times they've been out of their comfort zone this year, Texas, then Texas A&M and Tennessee. A&M, again, because of the things going on, they had to run the football, and they were doing it successfully. But Tennessee and Texas, they had to air it out a little bit So my point being this, Alabama wants to run the ball first. If we stop the run and force them to throw, then we've got a better chance. Now, you're going to say, well, wait, Bryce Young is great passing. Yes, but what I'm saying is it gets away from what they want to do. And if you're forcing somebody to do something they don't want to do, I think that helps you. Yeah, the thing they've been able to do, and I really take out the A&M game. I know you play the game, but Bryce Young didn't play, so you had a backup quarterback in there. So their offense is going to be a little bit different. But the thing I see about this Alabama football team is this, other than Texas and Texas A&M, this is a team that can score some points. And they're going to figure out ways to score points. 
And I just think – I think overall in the game tomorrow, and that's one of the things we can talk about. I think, to be honest with you, it's all about us offensively. They're going to score points. They're going to, they're going to score a bunch of points. Well, they're going to get their points, but I think the point of my number being if they're having to throw the ball – I mean, what you don't want is Alabama in the situation where they come out from the dressing room and run 15 straight handoffs. Oh, yeah. This, that's demoralizing because, well, look, we saw that last week, didn't we? That's demoralizing. <laughs> <laughs> Ten straight plays, let's hand it to the tailback. We've got to, we can't let them get into that type of offense. No, we can't. I go back to the point, you know, Alabama has for so long had the running backs and Gibbs is good. Have had the running backs they put in the in the National Football League, and they've put receivers now. It seems like every year in the National Football League. You think about Mechie last year and all the guys that they've had. They got some youth in their receiving cores this year. One of the guys I'm going to talk about in a minute, but they are not as far along right now as they've been in years past at the wide receiver position. No question. And so maybe that's why they want to run. Well, look, they're really good at running back, which helps too. But I, I think you force them to do something they don't want to do. Yeah, I go with that. So your three numbers were what now? No, it's add two, five, and 45. Two be the number of three and outs, five tackles for a loss that we can allow. And 45, the number of times I want Alabama to have to throw the football. All right, so now let's go ahead and look at our two players, each brought to you by two brothers. I got an email about this, Bart. We had kind of gone over the years with two guys who could kill you, two guys who could really hurt you. And uh, our friend Mark said that, you know, we really were getting off theme there, and it ought to be two guys who can smoke you. Hey, two there it is. smoked meat. So two guys that can smoke you. That can smoke you, making its debut here in the Farm Bureau studios, along with some audio from, who is that out there? Is it Sessions? What do they call these people? It's not Staples. It's not Scratches. I can't remember. Surfaces. Surfaces. That's what it was. Scratch session, surfaces. Scratch surfaces. All right. So, anyway, let's take a look at our two players. And, you know, I have not been to Two Brothers yet today. I know you usually go at lunch. We are doing this during lunch. I will be going here momentarily as I abandon downtown. Yeah, uh, Two Brothers, Smoke Meats. I'm going to go by there tomorrow. And uh, that's kind of going to be my go-to before the pregame show tomorrow. Of course, the game's at 6 tomorrow night. And so you and I will start the pregame at 4. So if I come up here around 1, I can eat a bunch of wings and get ready for the pregame show. And so the two guys that can smoke you for me, and both of these guys are guys that we were on recruiting-wise. And if you're a recruiting guru, you, you remember these names. Number one was Byron Young. And, of course, we were on him. He was a senior from down in West Jones High School in Laurel, Mississippi. Now, here's the thing about Byron Jones. He's a down tackle. He has no sacks this year but he's done a good job of getting pressures. He's had multiple pressures in the last three weeks. And why is it important for him? You know what you got on the outside with Will Anderson. This is Byron Young, who's going to be a down tackle. 25 times last week, he lined up in the B gap between the guard and the tackle 23 times right over the tackle. So 48 times, all times, between the tackle to the inside. And what do we say about pressures and getting pressures? He's a guy that can get pressure. It's coming up the middle. It's not allowing you to form the pocket, and that's where he really gets you. He, he's not a guy that – he doesn't have any sacks, but he, uh, he really contributes to a lot of the sacks on the outside. And that pressure point between the guard and the tackle, hey, we don't know if LaQuinston Sharp's going to go. We don't know if Dylan Johnson's going to go. Both of those guys came out hobbling last week. Sharp only played 13 plays in the game. 
And so you're moving things around a little bit on the offensive line if he doesn't play. But that guard and tackle pressure point, that's where Byron Young is, and that's where he likes to apply the pressure. All right. Who's your second player? Second guy is a freshman, a wide receiver, the 5'10 freshman from Calera, Alabama. That's number 80, Kobe Prentice, the wide receiver. They've targeted him 33 times. He caught nine balls last week. He lines up in the slot 80% of the time, wide out 20% of the time. But here's the thing about him. As a freshman, he only has one drop. He is that possession receiver in the middle of the field. Last He had a long run, long catch of 47 against Arkansas. He's the guy that they work in the middle of the field. Bryce Young, we talked about this last year, in the middle of the field between 10 and 20 yards down the field. This cat is 27 of 32. I mean, he is big time. Last week he was 8 for 9 in the middle of the field. And the guy that he looks for, especially on third down, across the middle with slants, number 80, Kobe Prentice. All right, so let's look at your two players. My two players, the first one is the running back, number one, Jameer Gibbs, out of Dalton, Georgia. He's a Georgia Tech transfer. Here's the thing about him. He's got home run potential, three carries over 50 yards. How about this? In the history of Alabama football, there have been 19 200-yard rushing games. Seems a little low, doesn't it, by an individual running back? That is pretty low. Ten of those have come in the Nick Saban era. And Gibbs has one of them. Now, he did it against Arkansas, and here's what helped. He had touchdown runs of 70 and 72 yards. Yeah, so okay. So, when you have uh, you, you got 142 <laughs> on two carries, kind of helps you get to that 200 number. He's been really good. Here's the thing that jumps out at me about Gibbs, and this isn't so much about Gibbs as it is the guys he's playing around. He's averaging seven yards per carry, but he is averaging three and a half yards before contact. So you think about the old, you know, three yards in a cloud of dust. This guy's getting three and a half yards before anybody lays a hand on him. Well, Rodriguez last week was getting four before we laid a hand on him. And and you go back and keys to the game. You know, this will be a little bit, take some while to go through the film and figure this out. But if we were making numbers, yards before contact, we always talk about yards after contact, and that's a fair number to, to evaluate. Yards before contact is a big deal, and that's one of the reasons why Gibbs scares you. He's strong, he's fast, all those things that you have to be to be a talented running back. Now, he does other stuff, too. He plays in the slot or wide about 20% of the time. He returns kicks. He's one of the best all-purpose yards guys in the league. You don't want to kick to him, but the big thing you got to do is somebody's got to get a hand on him before he gets ahead of steam. You know what worries me about Gibbs tomorrow? He's the guy that had that big drop last week. We talked to Chris Stewart earlier this week about that on our, our show in the midweek. You know, he dropped that ball with 20 seconds to go. That probably sets up Alabama with a 30-yard field goal to try to win it up there. And he dropped it. He's been a sure hands guy out of the backfield. And so going to the well quickly to get his confidence back, I look for them to try to get the ball in his hands as a pass catcher early in the game tomorrow just to kind of get that out of his mind. Well, and they've done that. He is actually has more catches than anybody on the team. You know, he's got 27 receptions. Look, he's he's good. He's he's really good. My second player is actually not so much one person as it is. You talked about Will Anderson earlier. Mine is the other guy. Uh, yeah. The, the other guy. Because it's one thing to go into a game and say, we can't let Will Anderson tear us apart. But the problem is you got Chris Braswell and Dallas Turner, number 41, number 15, who basically split snaps. 
And when you start looking at what the other guy does for Alabama, so Will Anderson has 28 pressures on the quarterback. The other guy has 39. And when I say the other guy, I'm combining two players. I get that. That's not exactly fair. But what I'm saying is the other guy gets after the quarterback too. And I think one of the reasons that Braswell and Turner, they're the other edge guys, one of the reasons they're so good is because teams are just have just decided we're going to stop Will Anderson from beating us. You put the stoppage on the on the big time dude, and it's the other guys. Like you said, Charlie. Yeah, those those that's thing. The thing about Alabama is they have the other guys. You know, and one of the stats I always like looking at is just the win percentage. How many times when you're rushing do you get to the quarterback versus how many times are you stopped? Will Anderson still tops on Alabama, but these next two guys, your Dallas Turner and your Chris Braswell. They're right there. Point being, I think a lot of times you focus on one guy stopping you and then somebody, you know, you plug one hole in the dam and another pops up somewhere else. That's my concern with Alabama. The other reason I'm concerned about that other guy, if LaQuinston Sharp isn't healthy and isn't going, it puts a lot of pressure on that offensive line to try to communicate on the road, to play well on the road. And we hadn't done it yet. Not an easy place to go on a night game in Tuscaloosa. And, hey, we were not great at the offensive line position, even before LaQuinston went down last week. And so those are our two players that can, can smoke you by our good friends at Two Brothers Smoked Meats. And, of course, we're in the Farm Bureau studios here in downtown Starkville. Farm Bureau, if you're in the market for home life, auto, whatever you're in the market for in the insurance world, go by and see our friends at Farm Bureau. All right, so, Bart, we've kind of gotten through our our numbers. All what, What's your uh... – one other comment about Alabama. Well, it's, it's not one other. I was just looking through, and I love looking up, like, fun facts, interesting facts. You know it's a Class B felony in Alabama to wrestle a bear? To wrestle a bear? Yeah, if you wrestle a bear, it's a Class B felony. Well, whatever. Did you know that Alabama does not have an officially recognized nickname? You know, this is a Magnolia State. You start looking around other states in the country. Alabama, even though sometimes they're referred to as the Yellow Hammer State, they do not have, and that's after the state bird, they do not have an officially recognized nickname. Alabama is the only state where the ingredients needed to make iron and steel can be found in close proximity. Iron ore, coal, limestone, dolomite, they're all in the state of Alabama. So that's why they can make all that steel in Birmingham. The first 911 call in the United States was made in Alabama. That was in 1968. Mobile, Alabama used to be the capital of Louisiana. Okay, let me break this down in my head. Um, is this tie-in like to a Louisiana Purchase type thing here? What we got? Colonial French, Louisiana in 1702, a part of New France. Okay. And so Mobile later became a part of Alabama in December of 1819. So those are just the – it's a Dothan, it's a peanut capital of the world. So those are just some interesting facts, I thought. I want, to make, I want to make you smart. Also, you'll enjoy this too, being the fine jurist doctor that you are. The Alabama state constitution is the longest of any of the 50 states. It has over 300,000 words. That's too many. Oh, How yeah. about that? Um, so a couple things jumped out at me. First, Mel Allen is a famous alum of Alabama. He was the broadcaster for the New York Yankees the most decorated team in pro sports. I remember him as this week in baseball. So Mel Allen. The other thing that jumped out at me looking at this game, 
Somewhere between 100 and 500 people are killed by elephants each year, one of the deadliest animals that exist. I'm guessing none of those happen in the state of Alabama. I bet it would be rare. Yeah. Yeah, maybe the occasional occasional zoo issue. And that's good for us going over there tomorrow. We don't have to worry about elephants killing us. You, but you do have to worry about the fine and friendly upstanding officers in the towns of Gordo and Reform. Hey, when you hit the sign that says police jurisdiction, pay attention. <laughs> and, hey, I said this last week on the postgame show probably. When you drive through Reform, and it's not Reform, it's Reform, and they will correct you in a heartbeat. That pavement is as smooth as glass. It is the smoothest pavement that you can drive on in any of the 50 states. And the reason it is so smooth, it has been paid for by your tickets. Well, you know what hasn't been paid for by our tickets? We have not figured out a way, I guess, to pay enough tickets to convince enough people to get Alabama to four-lane some roads. You know, we take a lot of grief in the state of Mississippi. But what is the worst part? If you were headed to Gulf Shores, Orange Beach. Centronelle, man. And it's some cat driving a, a, a Dodge truck. And I'm not throwing shade at my friends at Dodge. They're driving a Dodge truck going 35 and a 55 and, every single time. And you're stuck. You're stuck because it's too late. You've got 45 from Corinth, Tupelo, all the way down to the line. You got a good four lane highway. Save for the monstrosity that's going through West Point. You know, West Point's the only hang up on 45. Yeah, they got something on somebody. I don't know which political leader prevented a bypass around West Point, but that'll be a subject for another podcast. But in any event, um, my closing thoughts here bartered these. I think you said it perfectly. Winning in this league is our job. I get it. The odds are long. Alabama's. Got a lot of built-in things that we don't have. They have a ton of talent. They're good. They're very good. But our job is to compete with them. And so what I want to see tomorrow is to go over there and compete. Lying on the game is 21. And I will say this. If LaQuinston Sharp and Dylan Johnson play in the game, then I say we cover. If they don't, I don't know. But I'll say this. I said it the other day. I'm ready to go over there and compete. I am not emotionally sitting there saying, let's just get to the off week next week. I don't think we're going to do that. I think when you see veteran head coaches at times, they don't do that. And I just want to see us go over there and compete like we should compete. Well, and here's the last thing. I don't want to be in here Sunday saying we didn't have guys open because Tennessee had guys running naked in the Alabama secondary last week. We're passing offense. We got to figure out a way to get guys open in that secondary and have opportunities. Yeah, I agree. I completely agree. A&M had guys open. There are teams, Arkansas, in a comeback in the second half, Arkansas was able to, to, to put some things together. And so, hey, we're better than Arkansas. We're better than A&M. I thought when we left the stadium both of those days here that we were the better football team. And if we're the better football team than Arkansas and Texas A&M, then we should do something. We should put up some points and put up some yards. All right, I know I keep saying last thing, but i got to ask you one more question. Who has the tougher job tomorrow, our defense or our offense? Oh, I think the defense does. I, th- I just think that, that Bryce Young, he is the best quarterback in college football. Playing at home, they're coming off a loss. I, mean, I don't know how much you play into that, but I, I just think that you just hone in more 
offensively after a loss. And I, I expect us to be cleaner tomorrow. I mean, you flip the page, I expect you know, Will Rogers and our wide receivers to be working on some things this past week and be better in the game tomorrow. But I just think their offense is really good, and it just puts so much pressure on you on the backside of your defense. I think you're right. I actually feel – and that sounds crazy because we – look, what's Will Rogers against Alabama? No touchdowns, five picks. But I actually think I'm more worried about our defense. What's the thing we always look at? How good's the opposing quarterback? And we've said a couple of times, hey, worry about Daniels. He can beat you with his feet. Worry about this guy. He can do this. If K.J. Jefferson plays, he can do this. We hadn't faced anybody like this guy. And you've got a running back that complements it. I think our defense, whatever blitzes we haven't used, uh, whatever uh, secret sauce we've got, got to pull it out tomorrow. Hey, let's go do it. Assuming that we still have windows in the Farm Bureau studios by the time Sunday morning rolls around that we survive this Bulldog Bash night, we'll be back here Sunday morning for some Sunday morning coffee. He's Bart. I'm Charlie, and we'll see you Sunday.